Hey, we're still in Genesis. Genesis, uh, probably, look at verse, let's go back to Genesis 12. We'll be in that range. I don't know if you remember last week, we were talking about Noah's sons, and we were talking about how Shem and Japheth should have had this inheritance, and Canaan should have served them, and Ham was left out, and then it ended up that Ham's inheritance started building everything. (laughs) And Shem and Japheth's kids said, okay, we'll throw in with that. They didn't hold it dear what had been spoken by the Holy Spirit through their father, Noah, right? You remember that? That's Genesis 9:25. And Noah awoke from his wine. He knew his younger son, Ham, what he had done to him. Remember, Ham looked upon his nakedness and went and told everybody. And then his other two sons were prudent, walked backwards and covered him up, didn't go tell anybody. Grace. You know, we talked about what grace does. Grace doesn't go saying, oh, well, they did this and that. Grace, grace covers. Grace washes your feet. And Jesus said, if I, your master, can wash your feet, what do you think you all, you guys ought to all be doing? Forgiving, washing feet, right? Amen? Covering. Covering. Amen. Not, 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 not undoing repentance now. We come to repent. We, we confess the things, but then they're done. Because what's the, what's the image of God as far as the east is from the... Once you, once you come to him and you, you're in a repentant state, you confess. You need him. You need Christ. <laughs> if he can do that, what about us? Don't you imagine that's why it's such a serious thing? I don't know how many times Jesus talked about forgiveness, but there are so many times that man said, if you don't forgive, I can't help you. I mean, seriously, you, 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 a bunch of times he said, look, I'm the Savior, but if you don't forgive your neighbor, you got no part with me, I can't help you. You're going to hell. That's what he said. Because the deal is, if you're in Christ, you're a forgiver. And the moment you become an unforgiver, you're not in Christ. Because you're only there by merit of forgiveness. So if you're not in Christ as a forgiver, you disqualify yourself. It won't reach you, right? That's why it's so, uh, it breaks your heart to see a Christian or somebody who's professed Christ is steeped in unforgiveness because they don't get it. They don't get it. Now, they can change. Heart change doesn't take long, does it? But if they don't, man, because the things I know I've done, if he forgave me of that, I can forgive anything. Yeah. Amen. So it says, um, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And, and then and later on it says, And may God enlarge Japheth, the three brothers. Leaves Ham out. So Shem was supposed to be first. His third brother, Japheth, was supposed to be second, where Ham should have been. Right? And Ham's left out. The only person in, in Ham's whole line that's mentioned in Canaan. And I want, it's interesting because I always did like they teach you. Most, most people teach that Canaan's cursed. That's what most theolo- seminaries and theologians and preachers and we all preach is that Canaan was cursed. But really the Holy Spirit was showing me, no. Canaan's the only one that's mentioned. It's actually the opposite. They're also cursed. They don't even make it into the list except for Canaan. And Canaan gets to be a servant in the house of God's people. Well, if you're a servant, you can hear the gospel. 
Canaan had a job. And it's totally opposite of what we were, we were, a lot of us were taught for so long and have heard for so long. Canaan was cursed. No, Canaan was in the house. At least he wasn't completely out. Ham and the other three, they weren't even mentioned. They were not even mentioned. They were left out of it completely, folks. And so if you see that, Canaan had a job. He kept Shem's land for him until Shem came. You ever thought about that? Who kept Abraham's land for him? Until he came to possess it. Who planted the land? You remember the promise? What was the promise to Israel? You're going to come in, you're going to cross Jordan into a land of, of fields you didn't plant, but you're going to harvest it. There are going to be houses you didn't build, but you can live in them. Who you think did all that and kept it? The land of milk and honey. The Canaanites worked that land and kept it. They tilled that land and kept it from growing wild the whole time. And God's waiting on Shem's people to wake up and come to their land. And the whole time, Canaan's enjoying it, but it's not even theirs. They are stewards of this land, keeping it so it doesn't go back to wilderness, so there's not briars and brambles everywhere. So that when Israel finally would come in and inherit the promise, they come across the land, and there it is, just like it was promised. Now, the good thing is, when you're Canaan, you get to hear the gospel, because here comes God's people. And think about it, if you will, and this is not part of our message, but just think about it. Everywhere you see the law and you see Moses delivering a command and this, that, and the other, do you ever notice he says, and the stranger sojourning, sojourning in your land? The Canaanites were the strangers sojourning in the land. They were keeping it. They weren't Israel. But if they'll come under the law and now under grace, they'll get to live in the same land and inhabit the same blessing. It wasn't bad. I went to a wedding yesterday, and it got to the part where the guy was going to do the pronouncements, and he was telling the wife, he said, you know, your, your part, part of what you're going to do here is submit. And he said, I know that's a bad word. We don't really like it. Man, let me tell you, I was thinking about it. I was like, no, nah, that's the best word in the world. Submit takes responsibility off of you. I love it. You understand that, right? If you're not going to submit it to anybody, everything's on you. If you submit to Christ... Then what he said, he's going to do. <laughs> if the Canaanites just submit to Shem to live in his house, there's no greater blessing you can ever partake. It's the same blessing Jesus got that we've got through him. The same blessing that was made to Abraham. We just hear things wrong. <laughs> we hear things wrong, don't we? It's crazy. It is the way to be blessed by God. To submit to him and whoever else he puts out there for us, right? And all we got to do is do it. And then he flows with blessing. Some of the Canaanites did. Some of them did. And then those of us who are, you know, Europeans, the Japhethites, we get to dwell in the tent or the house of Shem also by coming in as Gentiles, right? As other Gentiles. 
All right, so this is cool. Let's keep looking at it. There's a lot of stuff we can get out of this, but we, we don't have that much time. So let's roll here, all right? Now we're in, we're in verse 10. We're kind of we're kind of going over some same ground. But you remember that uh, verse t chapter 10, verse 8 of Genesis, Cush begat Nimrod, right? And he began to be a mighty one on the earth, and he built this town called the first city, right? Okay. And we realize that's Ham's kids. The first king that's building a kingdom here on this side of the flood is one of Ham's kids who's left out of the blessing, shouldn't be in any way. And then, of course, it says in, ver in chapter 11, the whole earth had one language and one speech, and they all said to one another. So what does that prove? Shem's kids and Japheth's kids, offspring, were in agreement with Ham that Ham's kids would be king over them. They'd already forgotten the blessing of God that Noah gave. Guys, the church is this way today. We're in these same dire straits. Already forgotten all the promises and won't, won't, won't hold to any of them, right? In lots of ways. These same things come around. You know, you know it's, it's reported that one of the things, one of the wisdom little knowledge things of Solomon was there's nothing new under the sun. It's just got a different color paint on it when it comes back around. You know? Always, the people of God are always, those who have blessings spoken over them, are always challenged by those who have chosen to embrace Satan and his way, whether they know it or not. If, you know, uh, we're always challenged by them, and they're always trying to raise up on their own. And so many times, what's the church doing? We're trying to get in on their thing. We're trying to raise up naturally like the world too instead of submitting to God. Look at this. Here they are with Ham saying, yeah, let's build a tower to heaven. That'll be cool. Then nothing can happen to us. They already had a promise nothing could happen to them. You already have a promise you can be healed. You already have a promise of provision in your life. You already have a promise of blessing on your house and your marriage, your kids. You already have all that. But we go out in the world and try to get theirs. Working hard, 60 hours a week to try to get their blessing. Right? Isn't it a shame to see God's people? And you don't think it cycles around? When they went into Egypt, when they went into slavery, they weren't slaves. Right? Am I right? Jacob had a, a son named Joseph who went down there and, you know, was put through all kinds of trials and became the second man in Egypt. So then they came down to live with him. And they didn't live in Egypt with those people. They moved them over a little bit further to a fertile farmland, said, this is yours, have it. And what happened, though? Everybody in this room takes stock of this, because this is serious business for today, for all of us. What happened? They were at peace in the beautiful land, weren't they? They were farming. They were worshiping their God. And the next thing you know, you read further down in there, and the next Pharaoh's saying, put a more burden on them. Make them make more bricks. Have you ever scratched your head and said, when did they start making bricks? They were farmers. They were herdsmen. When did they, when did they start making Pharaoh's bricks? They started getting real serious about Pharaoh's things. Is when they started making his bricks. 
When they decided that the houses over in Egypt were better than the houses in the beautiful land. And the cars they had in Egypt were better than the ones in the beautiful land. And the cities they had built with all the attractions. You know, hey man, there's, if we move over to this neighborhood, man, they got, they got restaurants there where you, you can get anything you need within four blocks. And they all just started migrating to the polis, right? In Greek, which is what Babylon is, a city. Am I right? But guess what? The people on that side, they don't take what you trade in. They take their currency. And if you want their way, you got to go to work the way they tell you to work. So you start building their bricks. And if you don't think this is intentional, you need to wake up. Because this is how you enslave God's people. You get them to want what the world has instead of what God has. And they enslave themselves to get it. Be not servant to the lender. Just one of the, just one of the things. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just saying. Does it make sense? Next thing you know, you building bricks. And they're like, we got these cats, man. They're so busy now, they're not even going to worship. And the ones that are really smart, they're telling themselves, well, you know, I'm, I'm staying home on Sunday. We're going to the lake because it's the only day to have family time. Now, you working for Pharaoh, you just don't know it. I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, it was me. It was me, but it's so true. And when Pharaoh doubles down, you're going to be making double the bricks too. And when he says, I'm not giving you straw for your bricks anymore, you got to make double the amount of bricks and get your own straw. Which, in the life of America, that was your wife needs to work too if you still want to have a nice house and two cars. In a lot of ways, wasn't it? I mean, it's been a lot of things, but that's just one example of a church just head over heels after mammon. And every time the church catches up with mammon, the people that run that game just move mammon over a little bit further. Right? So a new Ford F-150 Lariat is not 55000 anymore. Now it's seventy six. We double down on your bricks. Get your own straw. Right? Isn't that true? Yeah. And now hamburgers, what? Four-something a pound where it used to be 189 Yeah. And what is the church doing? Just like is we ain't changed a whole lot if we're not careful. Running after it. You're gonna learn about a man named Abraham who knew the difference. He didn't run down to Sodom. He stayed where his blessing was, and his measure was unbelievable. And it was so unbelievable that the whole earth was blessed. Because he made the right decisions, chasing after God, right? That's what he did. But anyway, so you see how all that worked. And so if you will look at chapter 11, verse 10, because remember, God spoke this blessing over Shem, and Shem didn't get it. Shem died not having received it. You remember? Shem died not having received it. And his offspring didn't get it either, because they were part of that same city. You with me? Don't burn the burgers now. Thank you. You can burn all you want. We don't care. Jordan will eat them. All right. Just kidding. Jordan, you don't like your stuff charred too much. Huh? Yeah. 
Me too. That's Abraham. As long as I'm being fed, <laughs> it's good. I don't have to go after all that stuff. Okay, so just stay with me for just a second. So what's God doing now? He's spoken this, he's spoken this over Shem. And he said, Japheth can come in and be enlarged in the tents. And Canaan's going to serve them. He's going to preserve this thing for them, right? So if, if God doesn't become a liar, what's he got to do? He got to start looking for somebody in the line of Shem. Am I right? And we talked about this. He found a man who was Abram's dad, Abraham's dad. Well, anybody remember his name? Terah. And Terah somehow, I mean, we just have to kind of assume that somehow he remembered this thing. Because it says in chapter 11, well, first of all, in chapter 11, verse 10, it says, this is the genealogy of Shem. And we get this huge genealogy, and I want you to know why we get it. We get it because there's all these opportunities for people to go after the blessing, and none of them did, and they're all named. And I hate that. And I'm not saying they're not in heaven today, because if, if they heard the truth and believed in Christ when Jesus went down and preached, then that's all good. But it doesn't change the fact that they had a chance to be the man and begin to pursue, and they didn't do it. And they're listed here. But it keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. It gets to this man named Terah. And it says, now, you know, Terah had Abram, blah, blah, blah. And then in chapter 27, we get Terah's genealogy. Because every time somebody starts seeking God, we get their genealogy. Because this is the line of people God's going to preserve his blessing through. You. <laughs> right? In, in verse 27 of chapter 11, it says, the genealogy of Terah, Abraham. Okay. Verse 31. You in 1131? And Terah took his son Abram and Lot his grandson, who was the son of Haran, who died young or died before. Okay? Young in those days. <laughs> if he didn't live to be over 100, right? So, all right. Terah took his son, uh, Abram, his grandson Lot, and he ended up taking Sarah, Abram's wife, too. Right? And they all left where they lived. And they started to where? Canaan. So Terah remembered that promise somehow. He said, we're in the wrong place, man. He said, there's a place called Canaan. And it was prophesied by our forefather Noah. That, that would be ours. Canaan serves us. So let's go there. One out of, I don't know how many, you can count them, finally said, okay. But here's the problem, guys. Like many Christians, they started on the journey and they got up near Haran, which I assume is the land where Lot's dad and his family went, right? And they got to Haran, because that was Lot's dad's name, and Terah and Abram and Sarah and Lot stopped there. And the next thing you know, it says this. So the days of Terah were 205 years. And this is verse, th verse 32 of chapter 11. And Terah died in Haran. Terah started out going to Canaan. He got caught up with his family. And he stopped. And you can't, you know, can you imagine what he'd want to say? Well, I just ran out of time. I just didn't have time. The Bible says he lived to be 205 and never made it to Canaan. They didn't leave any excuse for him, did they? They even put his age in there.
and lived to be 205 and never left Haran. Died there. But God saw one other person in that genealogy. His name was Abram. Abram had started with his dad on this trip. And Abram got sidetracked too. But it must have been, there must have been a speck of hope, a molecule of hope in the inner man of Abram to continue. And God must have recognized that. Because the next thing you see in chapter 12, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house. That's all of Ham's people that had settled and not done what they were supposed to do. These people are holding you up. According to this, right? In this situation. Go to a land that I'll show you. If you do this, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Make your name great. You'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you. Hmm? I'll curse him who curses you. Did y'all catch that? I caution you that in Galatians 3.13, it says this is the blessing we've inherited through Jesus. And I, I just, I guess now is as good a time as any to say this. A lot of times people will say, why do you spend so much time on Abram? That's Old Testament. But, but it's because they misunderstand. Yeah, it is. But it's before the law. And it is the blessing that we inherit through Christ. So why wouldn't we spend time on the Father of that blessing? Amen. That's what people don't get. Amen. Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus died in our place, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. This is that blessing. How many Christians can you find in your average church that knows that it says, if somebody curses you, I'll curse them, God said. I'm not saying we curse people. We don't. We love people. I'm just saying, if somebody continually comes against a person that's abiding in Christ, they got issues. They got issues. You don't hear people saying that much. But if this is the same blessing, then it's the same blessing. <laughs> you see what I mean? And he said, in Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. How many of you are not of, of Shem's tribe? I'm not. I, I would probably be from Japheth, but we're all blessed. Yeah, even Ham's kids will be blessed through Abraham. Isn't that something? Um, so, having, having seen that, the next thing it says is, verse 4 of chapter 12, So Abraham departed as the Lord had asked him to. Anybody in this room, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything. If God's asking you to depart and you hadn't done it, look at what a faithful person does. They depart. <laughs> and it's interesting, the Bible says that because he departed, God counted it to him as righteousness. See, you're not perfect in deed or in thought. And God knows this. So instead, he looks at whether you regard what he says or not. The weight you place on what he asks you to do. And if you begin, he accredits it as righteousness. Amen? Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Because that's the one thing you still have control of. Your flesh is sinful. You can't change that. God's going to have to make it new. 
I mean, you can you can do your best to keep your flesh under, but it has in it built into the flesh the nature of the fallen man, and it's not been removed yet. So you're fighting that. People say you're not; they don't understand. You're born again in your spirit. Your soul is up to you to possess, but your body is is not changing until you get a new one, right? But God doesn't look at just your body. Praise God. He looks at the intent of the heart, and that's why. So if you regard him and seek to do what he's called you to do, in your heart, he sees you as righteous. Praise God forever. Isn't that great? Amen. Okay, so let's keep going in. Now, I want to say this. If you, if you look, Abram and Lot and Sarah at the end of chapter 12 say about verse 6, uh, excuse me, at the end of verse 5, it says that they departed to go to the land of Canaan. The good news is they didn't stop. The very next sentence says, so they came to the land of Canaan. How many Christians say that? I know that's one little, short little, two little sentences there. They departed, so they ended up there. Tara couldn't say that. He didn't end up there. It's kind of important. Wherever God sends us, we do our best to end up there, you know? Amen. Abram passed through this land of Canaan all the way to a certain place. Now, I want you to see, um, at that point, God told him, to your descendants, I'll give all this land. All right? Abram built an altar there. And then, if you will, in, in chapter 12, verse 9, look at it. Excuse me, verse 10. Now, there was a famine in this land. And so, Abram went down to Egypt. He went down to Egypt. You know what's interesting about Egypt? Egypt is Ham's people. Cush was south of there, like Ethiopia south, according to what the scholars have been able to uncover. Egypt is Mitzrayim. That's one of the brothers, the sons of Ham. And so he goes to stay with Ham again. What's this showing us? Nobody had figured out how to walk in this blessing yet, had they? We keep having to go back to the world to get a little help, you know? But it's cool because this, and I want you to see something because the new, the new, te- the new covenant is, is exemplified right here. The whole new covenant of grace is exemplified right here, if you will. Um, look at what it says, and, and join me in Genesis 12, 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt. He left his land, Canaan, and came down to Egypt, which was not. That's Ham's land, all right? He went down to dwell there, for the famine was severe. And it came to pass when he was close to coming into Egypt, he looked at his wife, Sarah, his wife, Sarah, his wife, right? And he said, it will happen when we get there. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they'll kill me, but they'll let you live because she was a beautiful woman. So his faith had not risen much yet. <laughs> you with me? He's like, honey, I know you're my wife, and we'll get you to act like you're my sister because they'll try to kill me. All right? I don't care how you stretch this. This is not good. If God says leave and cleave, he does not say then act uncleaving. And pretend like you didn't cleave. Cleave is permanent. Right? So don't twist that in your mind. It wasn't good. 
but it was something not good done by a covenant person, which is different than something not good done by an uncovenant person. If you just want to be honest, it's just true. Because he had the grace of God on his life. He belonged to God. And so look how it goes. And you'll and you know we'll read this in the New Testament in just a minute, but um, so it was in chapter four, uh, verse fourteen. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful, just like he said, right? You don't think he prophesied into being, do you? I don't know. Then the princes of Pharaoh also saw her, and they commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. You think she was ticked? My husband, saw, my husband wanted me to pretend to be his sister, and now I've been taken somewhere else. I mean, you know, I'll never see my family again, you know, my people again. Verse 16, though, Pharaoh treated Abram well for her sake. Now, I want to read something. Um, it's, it's Romans 8, 28. You may want to turn. You don't have to. I'll read it for you. Romans 8, 28. You ready? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Had Abram been called? What was the purpose? Go. Was he doing it? And does it say all things work together for the good? You want to see the New Testament at work in the Old Testament? You want to see the blessing to Abraham that we also get through Christ at work before the law? You're looking at it. Man, man praise God. I can feel it. Praise God. Amen. And so, even though Abram did this terrible thing, right? He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram began to get rich. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants. Good grief, the man's got servants now. It was just three of them a while ago. Now he's, he's getting flocks and servants and all this stuff, right? But the Lord plagued Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't do anything wrong. You ready to let religion go? Pharaoh didn't do anything wrong, but the blessing that's spoken is stronger than what you think. Because you would think Abraham would be in trouble, and God will deal with him. God will deal with him, but he's a covenant person. Even though he did something wrong, things are working out for his and his wife's good because she's just been, she's living in the palace, but nobody's laid a hand on her. Right? But look at what's happening. You remember this blessing? Let me ask you if you remember this blessing. He who curses you, I will curse. Yes. I just said that. Just see what you think. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Oh, that don't happen anymore. That was in the Old Testament. And Galatians 3.13 says it's the same blessing we inherit through Christ. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What have you done to me? You didn't tell me this was your wife. You understand the Pharaohs thought they were gods, right? They were like God people. 
That's why they had all this. They're, they're, they're carved on huge rock faces, and they, have, they were buried in pyramids, right? And they have all these hieroglyphics pointing to the sky, and they thought they were, that the pharaohs were mixed with gods, which are probably demonic fallen angels, and they probably were somehow mixed with them. Okay? But the point being, this pharaoh who thought that he descended from a line of gods and men, okay? comes to Abraham and says, what are you doing to me? And Abram's just this three-person group who didn't have anything when he showed up. And all he's got is God. And you can't hardly get a Christian to let everything go and only have God today. Because they got to have so much of Egypt mixed in. So if they don't have money, they can't eat, right? They don't have a job. They can't take care of their kids. They're not looking at it. I would suggest he's just as real today for us as he was for them. He never changes. That the same blessing in Christ is magnified to us because it says the latter house will have a greater glory than the earlier house. I mean, the form. And that meant the law, but still. You, you see what I'm saying? We're not on the low side. Only place we're on the low side is between our ears and in our heart. Right? So he treated Abram well. Pharaoh called and said, why'd you do this? And remember, this is, this is the Pharaoh practically kneeling down to this little farmer guy that doesn't even have a house. You know, that was dwelling in tents, building little altars out in the wilderness. And the king who thinks he descends from God is bent down and said, hey, I'm being plagued over you. Who in the world are you, man? Uh, I'm just a little son of God. Anybody, any of those in the room? The blessing is bigger than anything you can acquire on earth, folks. The blessing we've inherited is worth more treasure than you can ever amass in 16 lifetimes on this earth. And we treat it like it's nothing and we need stuff to go with it. You know? So, Why'd you say she's my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. That's how we know he didn't, right? Because God was protecting her too. Amen. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Can you imagine? He Don't you know anybody else favor would have said, I'm going to behead you for doing this to me. You've embarrassed me in front of all my people. I, don't you know that I descend from God? I'm going to behead you. Pharaoh was so scared of the God that Abraham served that graced Abraham. He wouldn't lay a finger on him. He said, you take what's yours and go. The power of God has been plaguing my whole house, and I've narrowed it down. I've been looking, because I wasn't plagued till you got... You know, you can't find a Christian that'll narrow it down and say, what am I doing wrong? You know what, Christians... Well, bad things just happen. We just don't know why. Pharaoh got more sense than most Christians. And I feel like I need to say a lot of preachers... Because a lot of preachers stand up in front of people and say, well, bad stuff just happens. Let me tell you something. Pharaoh knew better than that. 
He knew the blessing. Pharaoh said, I didn't have this problem. He started narrowing it down. Can you imagine at night, where is this coming from? Why are we being plagued? We weren't plagued before. He narrowed it down. He said, that man, that man who's, that woman. Right? You can imagine he invited all his sorcerers and everything. That's it, man. That's it. They were soothsaying. Don't you know they probably were? What in the world? That's the only thing it can be. Get that man in here. <laughs> Call him in here. What have you done to me? He did the same thing all throughout. Amen? I mean, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Because God is God. And His covenant is true. And He said, I work all things out for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And it's sad that Christians don't even believe that. Bad stuff happens and we don't say, where is God? Where did I leave Him? Instead, we say, well, you know, bad things just happen, and we don't always know why. I'm going to tell you, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was into figuring out, wasn't he? He, he said, I'm going to drill this thing down, man. It was not like that. It should not be like this in my life. I'm blessed. I'm a child of God. I walk with the blessing of Abraham through the Lord Jesus Christ on my life. What's going on? <laughs> you know? It says in, in later on in the Old Testament that the, uh, I think it says, the Lord said, my preachers have quit asking, where is the Lord? He said, bad things happen, and my preachers don't even ask, where is the Lord? It's like bad things that shouldn't happen to covenant people come to pass, and people just go, oh, well, you know, bad, God causes bad things sometimes. That's never scriptural, folks. I'm not saying bad things don't happen. I'm just saying we should try to drill. If Pharaoh should do it and it worked, covenant people should look to God and say, Father, I repent. Where have I missed it? Where have I missed it? Can, you can think of times where you know hundreds of Christians were praying against things that shouldn't take place and they still did. And people just said, oh, well, it was just, you know. Yeah, just meant to be. Although the Bible says, not meant to be, not meant to be, not meant to be. Promise against, promise against, right? And everybody just packs up and goes home. Well, okay. I'm telling you, Pharaoh drilled it down. And he fixed the problem too. He said, take your wife. Take your wife. Don't you know God's got a sense of humor? Oh, Pharaoh? That man's a prophet. He needs to pray over you. <laughs> yeah, that man that lied to you about his wife. Oh, he's actually a prophet. I know he lied to you, but it doesn't change the fact that he's a prophet and he's mine. You let him pray for you, I'll quit plaguing your house. How many of you? Oh, come on now. Somebody asked me last week. They said, I know that God's called me to serve him, but I've been a sinner. I said, God knows what you were before. This person said, yeah, but I've been a sinner since I knew God. I said, hey, David was, I was, all these people are. Don't change. It didn't change Abram either. Yeah, he did a rat fink thing. To save his own skin, he gave you his wife. He got rich out of it. He got blessed out of it. The Pharaoh basically kneeled down to him out of it. And then God came to Pharaoh and said, Oh, yeah, one last thing. He's a prophet. You need him to pray for you so you can be released. <laughs> he did it to you, but you, he's the only one you can get to pray for. He's sorry. Take heart. 
God's covenant is big. His grace is big, and he means it. He was meaning it then, and he's meaning it now through Christ. To everybody in this room, your words are important, right? The things you speak, the things you believe, because they come out of your heart, and words frame what the Holy Spirit will do for you, right? Isn't that true? Creation, God said, and then it was. Words are like a framework. You lay a vision out with words, and if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to frame what was legally spoken. That's in line with what God said, right? Amen? So, I mean, if, if, if we get serious about this, you'd be amazed at what God is willing, wants to do in His people, right? I mean, you, you see a little microcosm of it in a little man's life. And we tend to think that Abraham, like everybody, like he was on TV. Like if you went to, if you went to the square in New York City, like he was on the screen up there. But he wasn't. He was just some man out making his way, just like all of us. We just happen to have a written record of it, you know, of his interaction with people and his manifestations from God. Isn't that something? And you have the Spirit of God in you, and, these, and God manifests to you when you read His Word and when He speaks into your heart. It's the same thing. And it's being written in heaven. Your chronicle's being written based on the same thing. You as a person and your interactions with I Am. You know? Isn't that true? You know it's true. You know the Holy Spirit testifying to you that it's true. Sons and daughters of God, you know? Carrying the ministry of reconciliation. And if we'll manifest it, you won't even have to tell people. They'll ask you, what's going on? I need, I need what you got. I want, you, I want what you got, man. What is this? Come over Thursday night. I want to talk to you. You want it? Yeah. Come over Thursday night. I, I, I'll explain it to you. Isn't that easier? than trying to beat somebody over the head with a Bible in Walmart. The key is, you know, manifestation of just belief in God and letting Him do, right? Amen? Abraham was a seeker, though. He got after it. He went. He worked. He did, now. He didn't just sit down and say, God, if you're going to do it, just do it. I'm here. Right? Is that not true? Yeah, God said, I need you to go. I need you to do. I need you to be active. That joker got to work, man, because the first thing it says is he went. He went. He's about, like Jesus said, the Father's business. Yeah, he was after it. So we're seeing, this is, this is really good. We're seeing the covenant in it. And, of course, we know, if you will, in chapter 13, verse 14, this is the second time, really, but it's more magnified. Lot had separated from Abram. Do you remember why? This, we got to be careful. The only reason I'm bringing this out because the church got to be careful with this because the church in Laodicea that's in Revelation, the end of Revelation chapter 3, this is their moment. It's easy to be, even though that was a his, probably a historical church, you know, and it was, it's also a spiritual church, and it can, it can be in people. And so we don't want to be like Laodiceans, because what was their thing? You remember? They were lukewarm. And why were they lukewarm? Do you remember? 
Because they said, I'm rich and I have no need. You remember that? Probably ought to look at that right quick. Let me see. This is it. To the, to the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans. This is what I'm writing. The Lord, right? These things says the amen, the amen, the let it be. The faithful and true witness. Um, that's Jesus. I know your works that you're neither, neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. That's what the Lord says, right? Because, and this is what he says, this is the root of it. I'm going to vomit you out of, your, out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. And in verse 17, he says, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy. And, you ready? And have need of nothing. And do not know, and the Lord says, you do not know that you are actually, and I'm adding actually, you do not know that you actually are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, you, you hear this. Let me read this to you. Pharaoh had just said, take your wife and go. Then Abram went up from, from uh, where Egypt. He went up from Egypt and his wife and all that he had and lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, gold. Remember how he showed up there? Pretty much nothing. Now he's very rich, livestock, silver, and gold. He went on his journey um, to the place of the altar which he had originally built. And here, here's the important part. Lot also, remember Lot's his nephew, who went with Abram had flocks, herds, and tents. Right? Now the land was not able to support them. They had gotten so wealthy because of the New Testament or because of grace in Egypt that now the land that they had been on when they just had a little couldn't support them. One thing to say, yes, there's great blessing in the life to come if you do not believe if you're not a person who believes in what many people disparagingly call the prosperity gospel now we don't believe in you know we don't what i'm saying is you have to believe there's some prosperity in the gospel or you deny abraham's life and you deny lot's life because although they would inherit the holy spirit and although they would inherit all this land from day one of their walk they began to prosper in natural, physical things. And the blessing works for us in the same way. I'll remind you in 2 Corinthians what it says. Every good blessing of God is yes in Christ. It doesn't say just the spiritual blessings are yes. It says every blessing of God. The crux of it is don't go after wealth. Go after God and what he's called you to do and the things he has for you. Your provision will come, right? So that being said, this is the deal. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and Lot's because there wasn't enough room. So Abram looks at Lot and says, hey, let there be no strife between us in the whole land before you. Pick where you want to go. You guys know Lot picked this beautiful, fertile plain, right? Because it was just lush and all this. And he left Abram. 
Now, the blessing flowed through Abram. Remember, who was a prom- And I want to make sure, because the church doesn't believe today, a lot of times you have to rearrange people's thinking in measure. They think we're all the same. And Lot thought this too. And we are the same children of God, but we don't all have the same measure of grace, nor do we all have the same purpose. And it is a mistake to think that just because somebody has a measure of grace that you automatically have it just because you're in Christ. And see, Lot had been made, what did we just read about Laodicea and said, I am, Lot had been made by his association with somebody who had a tremendous measure. His name is Abram. And you notice these promises weren't made to Lot, they were made to, and they would flow from Abram to everyone in the world that associated with God, okay? Makes sense. But Lot made a fatal mistake, the same one the Laodiceans made. He looked at it and said, well, I'm rich now. I don't, need, I, don't need, I don't need Abram, and I don't really need God. All I need, I mean, I got it. So I'm just going to go down here and live with the Sodomites. I'm just going to go down here and live in, near Sodom. Matter of fact, it goes on to say he pitched his tent all the way to Sodom, right? And then the next thing you know, later on in Genesis, he ain't pitched a tent next to Sodom. He's got a house. Because the angels come to his door in Sodom, right? So that's where we're going to stop right now, but just think about it. Just think about it. Don't make a mistake, any of us. Because the whole time Lot was living down there in the big city, where everything was in like one block, and I'm, I'm not, if you do that and God sent you there, I ain't got, a, I got no problem with it. I'm just saying, filter your life daily versus what God's called you to do. Because it's so easy for believers to say, I'm become rich. And if you remember, Lot was taken captive. Right? He'd become rich. Next time he turned around, his whole city was taken captive and hauled off as slaves. You remember? So let's, I don't know if the Lord will have us pick up there Sunday, but if so, then we bless him. And uh, let's bless everybody for traveling mercy. You want to pray? Let's pray together. 